Happy Monday, everyone. And as always, thanks for listening to the AZ Wildcats podcast. As always, this is brought to you by DraftKings. DraftKings has still got a great deal going on where you bet just $1 on any football game and receive $150 in free bets instantly, no matter what. Download the DraftKings app now and use promo code PHNX and receive that free play that we just talked about. And you know what? We're going to be giving you some good betting advice right here. Schuster, I absolutely love, love Oregon to cover the 28 and a half against Arizona. And we're going to get to that here shortly. But as always, if you got a gambling problem, 1-800-NEXT-STEP. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and you only $1 wager. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. 21 plus and Arizona only. All right. We've seen a lot of bad U of A football over the years, and uh, we've gone through a lot of the stats. One ranked season in the last 20-plus years, John Makovic, Kevin Sumlin were in the midst of a 15-game losing streak. Arizona's 21-19 to loss against the NAU Lumberjacks was the worst loss that I've seen in school history, Schuster. Well, Mike, Luke, uh, you know, I think there was this point in time where we viewed John Makovic as the coach of the university of Arizona, as being sort of like a Cal Ripken style record that was never going to be topped, never going to be eclipsed. It, it, it wasn't even, it wasn't even, there wasn't any reason to bring it up in conversation. It was that it was that it was just, you know, it's just going to be, you know, not, not worth the time. Now by virtue of Saturday's performance, with what Kevin Sumlin left in the cupboard for Jet Fish, I think Kevin Kevin Sumlin has remarkably overtaken John Makovic as the worst coach in modern Arizona football history. Wow, that's, that's a and that's, that and I agree with you. Is that the undisputed title? I, I think right now it might be. I, I mean, hey, if you don't dispute it and I don't dispute it, then that may be all the undisputed you need. Uh, but you know, this was this was an example of just wretched behavior. As far as football is concerned, hey, I've spent the entire morning trying, going from grocery store to grocery store to grocery store to specialty grocery store, trying to find as much ginger as I possibly can. You might not be aware of this, Michael, but ginger is supposed to be very good for calming the stomach. And after Saturday night's performance, I know there are a little, well, there aren't a lot of Wildcat football fans, period. But for those folks who are and still claim to be Wildcat football fans, that was a stomach-upsetting performance. And so that probably explains why there seems to be a shortage of ginger in, uh, in the city of Tucson right now. Uh, yes, and I think that's exactly the case. What really, really threw me away, though, was when Arizona's up in this game by two touchdowns. And then from there on out, not only did NAU win, NAU looked like the better football team. It didn't look <laughs> fluky, and it looked like, quite frankly, Schuster, it looked like NAU had better players. And again, Arizona is not good at football right now. I think that we have, uh, we've laid that out. But it's also not, a, it's still a Power 5 program where you've got guys that, you know, should have other Division One offers. Most people that went to the Northern Arizona University for football went there, and oh, by the way, they probably didn't have a lot of other Division One offers. That's why they're at NAU. And this is a accomplishment for NAU because I believe the number of Arizona players on NAU's roster, Arizona, the state of Arizona high school players, is 55. So all of those players did not get recruited by Arizona and came down to Tucson and stuck it to the Wildcats in a game where, you're right, they looked every bit as good as the U of A. And NAU is not a good FCS 
FCS team. So, you know, they've got a lot of work and a lot of efforts to improve as well. I don't think, I'm not sure NAU is going to the playoffs in their division. I'm not sure they're going to finish the season with eight wins. You know, but all of that for them doesn't matter. And, and, and great on them. Fantastic accomplishment. They're going to be talking about this understandably for the rest of their lives. Arizona fans are going to remember this for the rest of their lives. And, it, and, and you know, teams like that, what was the last time NAU beat Arizona? 1930-something? Correct, Roosevelt yes. Administration? That's a little while ago. Uh, not a lot of folks listening to the podcast right now remember that uh, last NAU victory. But it's an indication of what rock bottom is. And at least now we know. It isn't going to get worse. It doesn't matter if Arizona loses by 50 at or, uh, you know, against Oregon next week. It loses by 30 to 50 in every other game the rest of the year. We know what rock bottom is. Rock bottom is losing to Arizona. You're just expounding on rock bottom if at the end of the year you're 0-12 and on a 24-game losing streak. But we can gripe about it. We can vent about it. We can lament it. We can be rightfully frustrated, embarrassed about it. But it's still there. So now what do you do? It's still and there. What, uh... It's still there. And Schuster, the biggest problem that I have right now, even during the John Makovic era, you would always see teams that would have some talent. Now, listen, they weren't good, but there was always like a Bobby Wade on the team or there was a Mike Bell somewhere, somebody that you looked at and said, eh, he could maybe play in the NFL. There was always two or three guys like that. And quite frankly, there were a lot of guys that played in the NFL. There's a surprising number of guys from the Makovic era that did play in the NFL. Cindric Steptoe is another one. I see one of those players right now, and that's Stanley Berryhill. There is nobody else on either side of the ball that jumps out at me or even looks like an above-average Division I player. And that, to me, is really the crux of the issue, is that there's the talent level, besides the play on the field, is really at an all-time low. Yeah, it is. And that means that Jed Fish can sell playing time and sell playing time right now and sell playing time next year and sell playing time for the, every recruit for the next three years that he tries to bring. Everything is open at the U of A, and I think that's going to be obviously the selling point. After that, what else do you have to sell? You know, if you're going to players, you're trying to say we're the school that uh, had Gronkowski, we're the school that had Bruschi, you know, uh, we can, you've got an opportunity to get this thing going. Jed Fish, by virtue of Game 3 and by virtue of what happened, is now going to be tested with his optimism. He's a very optimistic guy. We've talked a number of times about how he said the right things in the offseason. Well, saying the right things in the offseason and delivering in the regular season are two different things. And they clearly haven't delivered in the regular season. Now, that said, Mike, nobody or, or, or near nobody blames Jet Fish for any of this. And I don't think Jetfish coming into the season maybe understood exactly what college football talent was. He knew that they had, uh, you know, they, they, they weren't very talented, but necessarily know what not very talented was at the college level. He spent a lot of time in the pros. And there's a big disparity between the pros and college. And even after the BYU game, whether it was lip service or not, uh, he said, man, I think there's been more talent on this team than I thought. Well, two weeks later, no, you don't. <laughs> and, 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 and they're probably less talented than you. So you're, you, have an, you have a lot of interesting challenges ahead of you. Among them, you've got to keep the team together. You've got to circle the wagons, not pay attention to anybody else and say, you know, this is just because, any, because 
here's what's going to happen, Mike. I think around the parties at the uni- at the U of A, and these are the kids. You know, these are the players with. You know, in classes, basically going to get. Oh, you're on the. <laughs> then behind the back, man, they want to hear uh, that kind of nonsense. And around the community, everybody isn't, you know, they're either going to mock a bad football team or you're not going to pay attention to them. Uh, so, you know, what they need to do is just pay attention to trying to improve upon what it is they have, uh, take incremental steps on a weekly basis, maybe sneak something out to get a little bit of pride, keep their head up, and, uh, you, you know, try to try to improve as they recruit better talent. All right, so I do have a play for you, though. Let's talk about a little bit of DraftKings right here. You and I both talked about it. 28 and a half. I, it feels like Oregon is going to cover that in the first half against the University of Arizona. Go to DraftKings, get the app, put in PHNX, and you know what? I would put in money for Oregon to cover that because that feels like a pretty easy pick for me there, Schuster. Mike, are you hearing me a little bit better? Uh, Absolutely. Sound a little improved. Okay, great. Uh, yeah, it does. And, 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 and there's a part of you, though, isn't there a twinge of you that feels like, oh, man, that's so, that's so good that it can't be real, that there's something else going on there that, that's almost like a soccer bet? Be aware of that, but I suspect, like you do, that the line's going to move. I feel, generally speaking, you know, now that, uh, based on what we've seen out of Arizona, not just the NAU game, which is an embarrassment, but the San Diego State game in Tucson, you know, how many people think San Diego, San Diego State's good, but are, are they as good as Oregon? And um, San Diego State won that game, what, 38-14? So, you, you know, that's a, that, that, that covers your line right there. Um, pretty damn close. So this feels like an Oregon can score as much points as it ultimately wants type game. And 28-and-a-half, it was a jarring number coming out of the gate. And like you, I would expect that to go up as the week progresses. So if you feel confident about that and you have the DraftKings app, maybe that's something you want to look at seriously in the early stages. As I suspect, as the uh, week progresses, a lot of people are going to pour money into Oregon. All right. Now, let's talk about the fan involvement here. Schuster, it looked to me like there was about 16,000 people at that game in a stadium that holds 55K. To me, the fans are done. I look at it, I don't know anybody that is enthused about Arizona football. You know, they might have been mildly optimistic because Jed Fish is a guy that, you know, certainly has been, certainly uh, knows how to sell a vision. He certainly hasn't been able to put that on the field at the moment, but he certainly knows how to sell a vision. Right now, this is a team that just doesn't look good. And honestly, I can't really blame fans for not showing up. No, absolutely. And take it a step further. How many people, you know, I, I, I know you talk in, in a circle of sports fans. So you're very close to a lot of sports fans who pay attention. But I feel like there were a lot of folks in Tucson who didn't know that a, Arizona lost to NAU until the next day, which is indic because that should be an absolute shocker. That, that should send resonating shockwaves throughout the community if, if the community gave a crap of the foot. Arizona, wait, Arizona football lost? And then there were follows of chuckles. <laughs> oh, Jesus, of course they did. Nobody cares. Nobody cared before NAU, and now less people, if that's possible, will care afterward. And it's going to be a challenge for Jet Fish, and I'm not sure he understood how difficult that challenge was and how much more difficult he made it by virtue of the setback Saturday night. Yes, and I think he made a big mistake. Well, I don't know that he made a big mistake, but when he kept – like when you go with the hashtags, it's personal – 
and you go out there and you get and you get blasted in your last game and you lose to NAU, I think it becomes a little bit of a rolling eye emoji type thing where it's like, okay, cool, it's personal. You just lost to NAU. What does that mean to me? Not a thing. I mean, it's a it's a it's a marketing thing, and you know, it's one of those where you can go. But that's one of those twenty twenty hindsight things. You know, you come up with ridiculous marketing phrases every year to try to you know get to try to generate interest into a program, and of course, the it's personal thing. I guess hinges on the whole ASU you know debacle uh, from last year, which is understandable. You know, they're trying to come up with a rallying cry wherever you can get it. I don't really blame Fish for that. I don't blame the marketing department for that. What you don't expect going into those sorts of things is when you lose to NAU. That was something that wasn't even on the table, Mike. That wasn't even on the table. It was like, okay, Arizona's going to win it. The conversation was, well, you know, after losing to San Diego State, maybe NAU's the only, gonna, only W they're going to get. It was never on the table that Arizona was going to lose a football game to NAU at home Saturday night. And now... <laughs> Yeah. Now they're now they're understandably and rightfully, and I hate to say this because you, you know you don't want it to be this bad, but they're a laughing stock, and they're going to be a laughing stock for a while. And Jetfish has a huge, huge challenge ahead of him: try to keep the team's morale up and to try to recruit at a high level that gets Arizona to a point that is at least respectable. And Mike, I think that's a four-year process. Well, let's talk about that a little bit uh, coming up here. My question, though, is if you're trying to sell a recruit right now on coming to the University of Arizona, my first question is, yes, you can sell playing time, but is it a lot of, a lot? there's a lot of bad schools out there. Isn't it more difficult to sell playing time to a kid where he knows, okay, sure, I can play, but I'm going to get absolutely destroyed and I have absolutely no chance there the first couple years? Because that's what Arizona looks like right now. Yeah, you're selling, you're selling, you're right. And you're selling being the foundation of something fresh, something new, the new era of Arizona football. And what he might do, what Fish might do in the NAU game, he might, after the fact, when we separate ourselves from this a little bit, might try to use it as a rallying cry and basically say what we're saying. Hey, it can't get any worse. This is how bad this football program is. Imagine the pride that you bring to this community and this football program when you're the guy who started it all. And when we're, you know, challenging for Pac-12 South titles and more in your junior and senior year, you know, just, just think for years and decades to come, you can tell everybody else that you were on the front line of doing that. It's probably the sales pitch that he's going to do. Will it work? I guess we'll find out. One thing about Fish Mike is that, you know, he is engaging. But he's going to have he, his optimism has now been challenged, and he has to be able to deliver in front of recruits. We get that that's not going to be easy, but we'll find out how well he does. If you're listening to the show and you like what you're hearing, you should subscribe to us on the AZ Wildcats podcast on Spotify, Apple, basically wherever you get your information. And you should go to GoPHNX, and you should become a member there. Basically, they've got everything covered there. You've got the Suns covered. You got the Sun Devils covered. You got the Coyotes. You got the Cardinals. You got the Wildcats. You got basically everything at your disposal right there. And you know what? 
It's easy, and it, you get daily content, live and emboldened podcasts, and you got all kinds of different uh, reading, audio material, and the cool thing about it is everything's live. There's generally nothing where you're going to find a canned post game because you know what? The post game's going to be right after the post game, not 45 minutes after, literally right after. So go to gophnx.com and give that one a look. Arizona going forward, you mentioned it. This feels like about a this feels like about a four year rebuild. And what's the problem to me is that you don't you don't have a situation like in basketball where you go and you get three different guys. And you know what? I can be John Calipari, and yes, Kentucky's been terrible. Guess what? I'm going to bring in John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins, Eric Bledsoe, and Patrick Patterson. And guess what? We're going to be in the Final Four within a year. Football is an entirely different animal, especially when you have next to no talent on both sides of the ball. You said this is about a four-year rebuild, and I agree with you right there. The problem, though, is if it's a four-year rebuild, are you essentially not going to have fans for the next four years? That's absolutely correct. Yeah, nobody. No, the fan base is not going to care. The community fan base is not going to care. Will students hang out for a half because it's part of their, uh, you know, uh, uh, the the uh, halftime ritual <laughs> as far as drinking in uh, during the day and drinking at night? Yeah, they'll, they'll they'll show up a little bit, so that that'll be okay. They'll have fun for a half and then leave at the half. I don't think that's going to change either because. You know, that, that, that is the nature of Arizona football. Arizona football is in the worst possible position you could be from a fan standpoint, a community fan standpoint, because it's apathetic. And it's not like the apathy is new, Mike. It's, you know, the apathy's been around for a few years now. And now, you know, Jet Fish has to deal with that. And it's not going to be as easy as he thought it was. It's great to say what else he's going to do in Tucson on a Saturday night in a town of a million people. You know, why wouldn't you come out to Arizona football? Well, the reason you wouldn't come out to Arizona football, and fans have basically, um, you know, illustrated this, is because you're not good and because you got hammered by San Diego State and lost to NAU. You don't need any other issues. So what you find out in the process is, yeah, we can watch Netflix on a Saturday night. We can go to the Maverick on a Saturday night. We can go downtown on a Saturday night. We can hang out with the kids and watch Disney Plus on a Saturday night. You know, there are any other number of possibilities that, people in Tucson can do on a Saturday night that clearly doesn't involve Arizona football and nobody should blame them because the product is bad. Do you think Jed Fish knew what he was getting into? I go back and forth a lot on this. I think that he knew that he was inheriting a bad football team, but I don't think that he knew that he was inheriting a team that was this subpar. And on top of that, a fan base that isn't even mad about being subpar. They're just like, okay, we expect Arizona football to be bad and that's pretty much the way it is. I don't think that he probably understood the gravity of the situation he was going into. I think he had a feeling from a talent standpoint fairly early on in spring practice but from a, that, that the product on the field was going to take a lot of work. Uh, I don't know that he knew exactly what that meant because, again, you know, your separation from the college game and seeing it on a regular basis and knowing what college talent is if you've spent a lot of years in the pros, is a fairly different animal. And, and, and that might have, you know, that might have been uncertain. And then there was the fool's gold performance against BYU. So I think... Explain to why in. that was a fool's gold, because you called that one to a T. I thought you were wrong. I thought Arizona looked better. But you know what? There's a reason that you were wiser and you were older than me. Explain what you mean by that. Well, the reason that I'm older than you is because I was born first. The Correct. wisdom thing is clearly up in the air. 
but looking at that game, if you spent most of the time looking at most of the, the 60 minutes there, I think Arizona played better for about eight and got momentum, which is a big deal in college football, and also benefited from Utah being, uh, rather, BYU being kind of dumb, making some strategic errors, and then, you know, still trying to figure out what was going on with the first-year quarterback. But, you know, I thought from a talent standpoint, BYU was better, but there was an eight-minute window, I think, where Arizona looked pretty good and, and had a chance. But that game was just as likely to be... 35 to 3 as it was 24 to 16. You know what else it was? If they were to play again, and this shows you in college football and I think college athletics just how much different it is with the feeling out process. If that game were to be played again, BYU or BYU's beating the snot out of Arizona. I mean, I watched what they did. I watched what they did against ASU, and we'll make fun of them a little bit later in the week because they're quite frankly maybe the dumbest team in all of college or college football, but they're an incredibly talented team. More talent than BYU, but you know what? BYU went into that game and beat ASU, and that's a game that they would almost always win just because of how disciplined they are. BYU right now would absolutely destroy Arizona, so you're exactly right. That first game was fool's gold, to put it mildly. I think you have to be impressed, not that we're necessarily paying attention to BYU per se, but the growth of BYU between game one and game two was pretty significant. And, and, and those were, uh, you know, those were very nice things to see, and you know, you know, from BYU's perspective. So, you know, yeah, I, I think I think you're absolutely right. Their improvement versus Arizona's de-evolution has been pretty dramatic. And yeah, I think uh, th- there's no question. If that game was replayed, Arizona would get absolutely dominated from a BYU team that has improved significantly over the course of the couple uh, last couple weeks, and I think probably used. The coaches probably used Arizona as an example. They probably came out of that game in Las Vegas. Dudes, there were 55,000 people here. 50,000 of them were watching you. You almost got beat by an inferior football team. <laughs> Do you think you can play that way against Utah and ASU and win? And, and, and I think the team took that to heart. Jed and, and, Fishman. You know, Jed, and it got better. You know, I'm going to disagree, too. Jed Fish just had his uh, his coach's uh, uh, press conference, and he said that he thought the defense played very well. I'm going to disagree with him on that. I don't agree with that because when Arizona needed to get stops to get off the field, they generally couldn't do it. And BYU, or excuse me, NAU, anytime you have a rusher that goes 27 carries for a you know, over 120, 127 yards, that's generally a methodical approach to beating down another line. I'd be much more okay with if the guy had eight carries for 97 yards because, okay, he probably broke one right there. It's kind of the Barry Sanders rule. Where is... If I've got 27 for 127, that means that, you know what, I'm getting six carries or uh, six yards. I'm getting seven yards. I'm getting five. We're always staying ahead of the sticks. And that can't happen if you're U of A playing NAU. Without a doubt. And it's going to be very interesting to see how effective Arizona is against Oregon. I think if you're trying to rate the two, and this is what Jet Fish is trying to figure out at this stage. Okay, what was better? What am I taking out of this, trying to separate myself from it 48 hours later? Well, you know, it's hard to say if the offense did well. I guess I can say that the defense was all right. You know, so let's go with that. And let's try to be optimistic and say the defense is all right. I'm not, you know, and I, I, and I know Fish is walking a fine line here between the reactionary nature of the worst loss in Arizona football history uh, and trying to come up with something positive 
heading into what's probably going to be their most difficult opponent of the season in a community and with a sports media that is looking at you saying, dude, what the hell just happened? You know, so he's trying to come up with, he's trying to come up with something at the press conference to put a, you know, separate yourself a bit. Is it really as bad as it seemed at the time? I get that it's coach speak. I, you know, I agree with you and I think everybody else probably does too. It's ridiculous to hear it, but you know, it's, it's his approach, and I guess we'll see if it's effective. I don't know if it's as, it's as effective as saying, hey, everybody, we were dreadful, we sucked, we were horrible, we were an embarrassment to the community. I don't know what we're going to do next, but we're going to try to figure it out. Maybe you would have appreciated that. You know, I don't know. Uh, so he's trying to navigate what's going on, but, I mean, I don't disagree with you in regards to what he actually said, but I can understand the tone in which he said it because you're trying to find some nuggets here you know when you're just sifting through mud when we're talking about uh, these games we're always looking at it from an analytical perspective and something that's cool at DraftKings is that you can bet in-game parlays which is very unique generally those are frowned upon from people uh, giving out bets because you know what it helps out the better who is actually looking at it and is taking a very analytical approach to the game. You can find that at DraftKings. You know what else you can find? You can find the $1 wager where, you know what, you get $150 free football play after that. And you know what? We just gave you what we would go for. We would go for Oregon to cover that 28 and a half. And you know what? If there were some in-game betting odds in there, I would probably go with those ones as well, Shu. And I would be very careful again Look at that one seriously, and you might want to consider getting in on that one quickly because I think that line's going to move up. Get to DraftKings right now, and like Schuster said, you get there, and you get there quickly because I would imagine that that line is probably going to hit 30 here pretty quickly because there's people smarter than us that know what they're doing. And it's going to be fun, Shu. Tomorrow I got Glenn Parker coming on. He's going to be in here talking about what's going on. Obviously a five-time Super Bowl starter. Shu will be back with us later in the week. Anthony Gimino, Brad Alice will be with you as well. But for John Schuster, I'm Mike Luke, and appreciate you listening to AZ Wildcats.